Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, April 29th, 2018, on the basis of John 15, verses 1 through 8. I'm feeling very productive today. Those have to be some of the best words in the entire English language, right? Isn't that feeling great? One of those days when you are just full of energy. A day when you are highly motivated, a day when everything is going your way and all of those endless items on your to-do list are sort of just dropping like flies, aren't those days just the best? Well, let me ask, how many of those days do you actually have? I could be completely alone in this, but it, it seems to me that much more often... I have days that sort of remind me of this. What in the world is that about? You've heard of people running around like chickens with their heads cut off, right? This isn't, this isn't quite that, but obviously it does relate to chickens. What in the world is this strange picture on the screen? Well, back in the 1990s, a professor at Purdue University named William Muir decided to do an experiment in productivity using chickens, easy enough to do because when it comes to measuring productivity with chickens, it's pretty simple. You just count the eggs. And so what he did is he started with a group of chickens that was already being pretty productive in terms of laying eggs all by itself. And he he sort of isolated them by themselves and, and left them alone. He simply let them lay eggs and have chickens who would then lay eggs and, and have more chickens. And he sort of let that go on naturally uninterrupted for six whole generations. But then as a second group, Muir looked at all of the chickens that he had and he he hand-selected the ones that individually were the most productive in laying eggs. He he put them all together in one group. He sort of tried to form a group of super chickens. And then the next generation, he did the very same thing. He took their children that were the most productive and he put them in a group and he did that over and over again, again for six years. Generations, And at the end of these six generations, he compared the two groups. Do you know what he found? The group that he had sort of left all by themselves, they were all healthy, all very plump, all fully feathered, and the productivity of that group was higher than it had ever been. But then in the other group, in the group of, of super chickens, that's what he found. And those three that you can see there, one's just kind of hiding off in the corner, those three were the only three who were left alive. The rest were all dead. See, it turns out that the very same chickens who were the most productive in terms of producing eggs were also the most aggressive, the most violent, the most willing to achieve supremacy by attacking the other members of the group. John Muir, or William Muir found out that he hadn't created or bred a group of super chickens. He had created a group of psychopath chickens. <laughs> so yes, it's, it's great to feel productive. In fact, when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to the classroom, when it comes to, to home and family life, we sense the need to be productive, to feel as though we are getting things done and making things happen. We want our lives to matter and be making a difference. The problem is that the conventional wisdom that we often receive for how best to achieve that often sort of just chews us up and spits us out. 
the constant call to go out into life and, and be super chickens, to have drive and determination, to compete and achieve, to grab the bull by the horns, to make life your oyster, whatever silly metaphor you want to choose, the problem is that so often it leaves us feeling sort of like that. And so maybe it seems like the worst news in all the world that as we look at these verses from John 15 today, we're going to see that Jesus wants to talk to us, yes, about productivity. In addition to you expecting yourself to be productive and other people expecting you to be productive, yes, God himself does in fact expect you to be productive. But don't worry. If it already feels like you're at the end of your rope, if it already feels like your plate is completely full, like the last thing you need is one more source of stress, one more set of expectations, don't worry. The picture of productivity that Jesus paints in these verses is in fact much different than that. And thankfully, after seeing that picture, I I think you'd agree it's good news that the, the picture Jesus paints doesn't involve chickens at all. It involves plants, specifically grapevines. The picture that Jesus paints is basically this. He says that he, Jesus, is the grapevine. Each one of us is like a branch that is connected to that vine, and his father is the gardener. His father expects that what he is going to see out of us, the branches, is that, yes, we do, in fact, produce fruit. In other words, what God the Father wants to see in us is that the very same sweet, rich, delightful goodness that is flowing through Jesus and was demonstrated by him when he was here on earth is also flowing through and eventually flowing out of us as well. The gardener wants to see us putting others ahead of ourselves. The gardener wants to see that we love him and his word, and his work more than anything else. The gardener wants us to convey the truth about God in a world that is full of so much confusion about God. The gardener wants to see us deny ourselves, say no to the allure of sin, and resist temptation. That's the fruit, and yes, God our Father wants us to produce it. Now, at first glance, the picture Jesus paints might seem exactly like the picture of productivity that we are used to. On the one hand, he tells us that any branch that is not producing fruit, he's going to cut it off and throw it into the fire. On the other hand, he tells us that he's going to prune any branch that is already bearing fruit. Why? So that it can produce even more fruit. Kind of sounds like one more demanding boss, one more high-stress, highly competitive, cutthroat workplace environment. Kind of sounds like William Muir trying to create his flock of super chickens. But then Jesus goes on to say something that makes absolutely no sense. It not only makes no sense within the picture of productivity that we normally get from the world, but it also makes no sense even within the picture of productivity that he himself has set up. After painting this picture and setting the stage, Jesus says this, You, you branches, are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, in order to understand that that statement from Jesus and really to know why it, it 
doesn't really fit and doesn't make sense, we need to realize that the word that is translated prune in these verses and the word that is translated clean are actually basically the same word. So on the one hand, Jesus says that the gardener is going to prune the branches that are already bearing fruit so that they bear even more and more and more. But then in the very next sentence, he says, he speaks to the branches and he says that you are already completely clean. Same word in both places. So in one breath, he pictures productivity as sort of this ongoing process, something that is ever in motion and hopefully is continually improving. But in the very next breath, he talks about productivity as something that is totally 100% complete and finished. And not because of anything that the branches have done, not because of anything they have given, rather because of something that they have received. Because of the word of God that they have heard and believed. And it's on that basis that Jesus offers probably the strangest advice about productivity in the history of the whole world. And he doesn't just offer it once, he says it over and over and over again, almost 10 different times in 10 different ways in just these few short verses. Over and over again, it's the same refrain. Jesus says, remain. How are branches going to be productive? Remain. Remain connected to the vine. It kind of just sounds odd, doesn't it? How are you going to go and accomplish all of the tasks that are in front of you this week? Well, I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay. I'm going to take the circumstances that I'm in right now and I'm just going to keep them the same. Jesus is saying that the key to being a productive branch. The key to getting the results that the gardener wants to see is to take our attention off of the results entirely. To focus our attention not on the fruits that are coming off of the vine, but the roots that are at the source of the vine. To focus not on what we are cranking out, but on what is coming in. To focus not on what we are giving, but instead what we are receiving. You see, when it comes to the productivity that God expects out of us, it is so easy for us to bring the assumptions that we naturally work with into the equation. We look at the work that Jesus wants us to do, the fruit of faith that he wants us to show, and we think to ourselves, well, this is how I can impress the boss. This is how I can climb the corporate ladder. This is how I can set myself apart from my fellow employees, my fellow classmates, my fellow husbands and wives and moms and dads out there. Well, friends, make no mistake. If we take whatever fruit it is that we are producing and we hold it out to the gardener and hope that on the basis of that fruit, he is going to keep us around rather than cut us off, that fruit will always be too small, too sour, too spoiled. The only thing it will be good for is to be thrown into the burn pile. No, the only fruit that is sweet enough to satisfy the perfect palate of our Father in heaven is the fruit that Jesus himself produced. And it's by staying connected to him and focusing on our connection to him that we receive 
that life-giving fruit. That we are reminded that whatever fruit we might be producing in life, it is not on that basis that we hope our Father in Heaven will be pleased with us. No, the only fruit that can possibly make that happen is the fruit that Jesus himself has already perfectly produced as our Savior. That's why we need to stay connected to Jesus. That's why our focus needs to be not on the fruits, but on our roots. Because as we receive that nourishing, life-giving sap from the vine that we are connected to by staying connected to the word of Jesus, Jesus makes us an incredible promise. He says, you will bear much fruit. That's the irony of it all. We take our attention off of the fruit and we end up bearing more fruit than we would have if we had been focusing on the fruit. Jesus says, you will bear fruit. Not you must, not you ought to, not you better or else, you will. You remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. That's Jesus' solemn promise. But you know, come to think of it, a promise can also sound an awful lot like a threat. I'm going to say out loud something that maybe some of you are thinking, but that I'm guessing in this room and in front of a person like me, you would probably never say out loud. Jesus is making us this promise that if we stay connected to him, if we stay connected to his word and receive that life giving sap from him, that we will bear much fruit. But when you heard me talk about the specific type of fruit that God promises we will produce, we might stop for a second and ask ourselves, okay, Jesus says I will produce it, but, but do I really want to? There's a part of us that really badly wants to go out and, and sort of be super chickens, to grab the bull by the horns, to make life our oyster, to go through life and compete and advance and achieve and be full of drive and determination and to set out in life with the goal of amassing as much wealth and influence and reputation and popularity as we possibly can, to enjoy life for all of its worth. And then, of course, of course, when we're done, we'll rely on our connection to Jesus to get into heaven. But to spend our entire lives putting other people ahead of ourselves. Loving God and his word and his work more than anything else. Denying ourselves. Saying no to the pleasures of sin. When Jesus says, that's the kind of fruit that if you're connected to me, you will produce. There's a part of us to whom that sounds more like a threat than a welcome promise. So here's what we need to understand about the picture that Jesus paints. Jesus doesn't paint a picture where some people can be branches connected to the vine and other people are perfectly free to do or be something else if they so desire. No, he paints a picture where everyone is a branch. Either a branch that is connected to the vine and therefore is producing fruit or a branch that is not and therefore Is not. And Jesus says that if a branch is is not producing fruit, eventually it's just going to wither up and die. And the only thing it is good for at that point is to be thrown into that burn pile. In other words, Jesus is saying that the very fruit 
that God calls us to produce is the very fruit that he created us and designed us to produce. Which means that if we decide for ourselves that, that we, want to produce, produce, or we want to pursue fruit that's a little bit different, eventually we're going to come to the very same conclusion that God does. Eventually, not only will God realize that all of that fruit is worthless, but eventually so will we. One day we will come to the horrifying realization that everything that we have spent our lives pursuing so intensely has just withered up and died, amounted to nothing. The only thing it's good for is burning. The fruit that Jesus wants us to produce is not some poor consolation prize to other bigger and better things that we might think we might want to pursue with our lives. No, the fruit that Jesus asks us to produce, that's that's the very best. That's the very, very best. And here's the beautiful thing about this picture Jesus paints. Not only does our connection to Jesus cause us to produce that fruit, it actually causes us to want to produce that fruit. That's what leads Jesus to say the other statement in these verses that seems completely out of place and seems to make absolutely no sense. Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What is Jesus saying there? That as long as we have some sort of nominal connection to Jesus, we can just pray for whatever we want and he's going to give it to us? No. He's saying that if you are connected to Jesus, if you stay connected to his word, God will bring your wishes and his, his wishes perfectly in line. Not only will you produce the fruit that God wants, but the fruit that God wants will also become the fruit that you want. You will realize the beauty and the splendor of the fruit that God is asking you to produce. Now, does that mean that tomorrow morning you should go into the office and quit your job or drop out of school, sell all of your possessions, pack a suitcase, spend the rest of your life traveling, telling people about Jesus or doing, doing something along those lines? No. It does mean, however, that tomorrow you go to work and you go to school or you manage the affairs of your family and your home, and you do so with all of the joy and all of the strength and all of the energy that God provides, but you do so not with your primary goal being to achieve and amass and produce success or wealth or popularity or influence, but, but doing so with your greatest goal being the fruit that, that God calls beautiful. Realizing that the very best fruit is the fruit that brings praise and glory and honor to our God. Now, if you're still not convinced, I wanted to close today by sharing with you an example of how this works. Last week, Lindsay and I were in San Antonio for this ministry renewal retreat that all of the members of my graduating class from the seminary went to. And and part of that renewal retreat was a really good study of the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Christians who were in the Greek city of Philippi. The story of the church in Philippi begins with a woman named Lydia. We're told in the Bible that Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth. In those days, a very expensive commodity. So by normal definitions, here was a woman who was living a very productive life. 
But then we're told that when Paul and his missionary companions came to the city of Philippi, Lydia learned about Jesus. A connection with Jesus was formed. And as a result, she started to produce fruit. She insisted that Paul and his companions spend their time in Philippi, staying at her house. It seems as though that as the church in Philippi grew, the the Christians continued to meet at the house of Lydia. She opened up her home to them. And apparently her generosity and hospitality really permeated and came to define the entire church in Philippi. Even after Paul left that city, they continued to send gift after gift, more and more support to the Apostle Paul so that he could share the very same gospel that he had shared with them with other Christians in other cities. A connection was formed with Jesus and fruit started to be produced. Now, why do I mention all of that? Well, there's one other interesting fact about this woman in the Bible named Lydia. She is the first documented convert to Christianity on the continent of Europe. At least before Paul came to the city of Philippi, he had never left the continent of Asia and started to spread the gospel in Europe. So I thought we'd do a little experiment. Raise your hand if your ancestors came over to America from Europe. Look at that. And if you're not raising your hand, don't feel bad. But here's the point. Because of the fruit that this woman started to produce, you can look in the mirror and you can look into the faces of the children sitting next to you and you can imagine the faces of their children and their children after them. And it is entirely possible that all of you know the gospel of Jesus Christ and will end up in heaven someday because of the fruit that Lydia produced. Talk about an exciting picture of productivity. Talk about something that all of the definitions of productivity that our world might offer cannot possibly touch. That is the picture of productivity that Jesus paints for us, that Jesus invites you into That is the joy of producing fruit that he wants you to experience. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Friends, rest assured that is not a threat. That is a wonderful and gracious promise. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.